Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Reese, and I hope this finds you healthy and safe and sane wherever you are. Um, this week, we have the honor of speaking with a truly great human being. This is a big wave surfer, a WSL Pure Ambassador, a guy who represents a bunch of different nonprofit organizations. And honestly, I don't, a guy who, like, I don't think anyone's ever said a bad thing about. Uh, Greg Long is known as a true gentleman, a great surfer, and a great environmentalist. He surfs monstrously huge waves, uh, Cortez Bank, Jaws, Mavericks, etc. And he's really good at it, too. He's got a couple world championships. He also has won the Eddy, which is one of the most prestigious competitions in surfing. But he will readily tell you that conservation and conservation victories are the greatest victories of all. And we hopped on a call to talk about it. We've got World Oceans Week coming up. We've got a big campaign lined up. There's been a bunch of news about surfers and their environment lately. So we thought Greg was the right guy to talk to this week. Um, so we hopped on a call over Zoom. Uh, he checked in from like an outpost in Baja. Uh, so there are a couple patches where the audio isn't great. It's a little bit skippy, but that's kind of like every other FaceTime and Zoom that you're doing with your parents these days. So it's not your phone. It's us. But we still think this episode is worth posting. Without further ado, here is my friend, Greg Long. Greg, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to see you, man. Likewise, nice to finally uh, connect after a couple months of back and forth. Yeah, it's been a wild uh, wild couple months. Understandably, people are busy. Where are, you, um, where are you calling in from, if you don't mind disclosing your location? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna fully disclose, but I'm uh, down here in Southern Baja. Came down a little over two months ago uh, before everything kind of got underway. Just thought of you know the places that I could go that have all the necessities to uh, enjoy life. You know, food, water, open space, and uh, this one came right to the forefront of my mind. So packed up the van, and uh, a couple months later, here we are, still going. Well, that's like a second home for you down that way. I mean, you've been going down there since you grew up, right? It's kind of, you know, like your hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, my first earliest memories are of uh, the surf trips in the 71 Volkswagen bus with my pops coming down here. And yeah, yeah. waves or not, still one of the most beautiful places. And yeah, I could easily spend as I have a couple months and find a new adventure every day. So a lot of overland little terrestrial hikes and you know, plenty of time in the water and yeah, just enjoying the change of the seasons in the springtime down here. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, also, happy birthday. Uh, uh, happy birthday was just yesterday for you, right? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 37 years old, I think. I had to uh, <laughs> think about that when I woke up in the morning. But yeah, it's confirmed. Just turned 37. <laughs> confirmed. Um, well, Greg, you're, you're a super humble dude. Um, I think, you know, people who know, you know that, but, um, we have a lot of people who listen, who maybe don't know surfing as well, uh, or maybe don't know your history and, and why it's important that you're here. Um, but I'm going to read off some of your kind of accolades over the years to kind of give that level of import. Um, you know, you are a big wave surfer. You're a world champ. You've won the Eddie, right? Uh, big wave world tour champion, SEMA waterman of the year, national geographic adventurer of the year. Um, you also have been engaged in just a number of various, uh, nonprofits from Surfrider Foundation, Wild Coast, Save the Waves Coalition, San Onofre State Parks, Parley for the Oceans, uh, you surf for Patagonia. Um, you just, you're engaged in a lot. 
um, beyond your big wave career. You know, you had the, you've had this career of chasing massive walls of water around the ocean. And then you've also dedicated a ton of your time to the environment. And I just think it's important to highlight that because, um, you've, you've been an incredible help to me here as you know, we've started up WSL pure and being an advocate and a voice and a leader. Um, and I just think it's really great how you, how you spend your time. Um, but there is kind of a backstory there of why you do that. I mean, you've always been an environmentalist, I think, but you did have a moment a few years ago and I was lucky enough to um, catch up with you in France when you gave a talk about this at uh, an event Patagonia put on, was it two years ago now? And hearing your story of how you basically almost drowned, right? And what that moment meant for you, maybe you could quickly kind of sum that up without giving away the whole speech. Yeah, so, I mean, I grew up, I was really fortunate. My father was uh, uh, the state park superintendent of the San Clemente State Beaches and Parks where I grew up. And so growing up with sort of, you know, his, you know, vision for, you know, protection and preservation of, you know, our playground, it was instilled in me as, uh, you know, as a kid. But admittedly, you know, as I became obsessed with this, you know, dream of becoming a professional surfer, you know, all of that, you know, the work that I was doing with the environmental groups most unquestionably took a backseat to, you know, my personal self-exploration as a surfer and big wave surfer. And um, but, you know, through the years, I was able to find a balance, you know, working for both, um, you know, especially because, you know, we're not chasing giant swells, you know, all the time. And um, but it wasn't until I was 30 when you know, I had what was in the surfing world, a really publicized near-death experience, nearly drowned surfing, um, a big wave called the Cortez Bank, which is an underwater seamount off of 100 miles off the coast of Southern California. And um, you know, that stopped me dead in my tracks, uh, as I think you know, most near-death experiences do for people. And it's kind of bizarre to say, um, when I tell people this, you know, it's something that I actually wish for everybody to have at some point in their life. Um, yeah, it's kind of morbid. Like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny, it's a funny wish for people. I get, I get the intention, which is it gives you the second view on life, but man, <laughs> you know, not in that you know context, but I wish for people to stop and have the opportunity to really distill their lives down as that moment did for me. And to reevaluate, you know, what is actually important and what have you been doing with your life? And, you know, if it were to have ended then, would you be proud of, you know, who you are and what you did? And for me, you know, the, the answer to that for the most part was yes. But, you know, when I thought about my most, um, you know, treasured and memorable moments and what I actually thought to be important, um, it had nothing to do with any of the contests, you know, that I won those awards or accolades that you just you know, listed off that, you know, those were, you know, incredible inspiration for me on my personal, you know, growth as an individual. But, you know, when I thought about what I was really proud of, it was, you know, those were, you know, down there at the bottom, even if they even registered on the list, but it was more, you know, what I did along that path to, you know, give back in this world, to help other people, to, you know, protect, you know, these places that I love that have given me so much in my life. So it was just, you know, crystal clear reflection. And for me, it was going to take something so significant as that, because I was caught up in this, you know, fast paced life of, you know, chasing swells and all the fun that goes along with, you know, being a professional athlete and uh, adventurer. And so, um, after that, it was just, 
you know, I still, that's part of my DNA, but, um, you know, really rebalance and, and prioritize what I, what I knew from that point, you know, to be more important and more fulfilling for me, even though at times, you know, I still catch myself, you know, wishing that I could go chase a swell when I have other, you know, projects or obligations, you know, kind of on the environmental front. But in the end, I know when I look back, uh, you know, the work and energy put towards this is, is going to have more value, you know, on the deeper kind of soul level than, you know, any waves, um, you know, there's always going to be another swell, another opportunity to surf, but, you know, especially now at this point in time, it's so crucial that, you know, this work is being done because I, you know, think we're at a, a tipping point really where we're going to get it together and, you know, start redirecting, you know, life and, you know, the world in, in a proper way to where we're valuing, you know, our natural environment and resources um, in the way that we, we need to, or else, you know, I don't think the future is going to be as, um, you know, plentiful and um, beautiful as we're experiencing it now. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, one, you're summarizing what is a really powerful story when I, when I got to see you tell it in person and talk about that journey that you went through. And I'd encourage anyone, whoever gets a chance to go, you know, read up on your story if you don't, if people don't know it um, or see, you you know, speak about it. Um, But thanks for sharing the kind of the cliff notes version, but you, you hit on a number of things, you know, firstly, pressing pause on for you, what was a, you know, very fast paced lifestyle of chasing swells around the world at a you know drop of a dime flying across the planet to chase a wave. Um, cause you're chasing the biggest waves in the world that don't come around too often. But I would say even for your, you know, everyday guy like me who goes to an office or anybody who has a job, like we all get so caught up in our day to day and we're trying to put food on the table and have a roof over our heads and have relationships and be a part of our community and whatever it is. It's just so go, 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 go. And most of us are put on a track of just like here, go on to the next thing, you know, like try to get a job, find a partner, get a house, whatever, or, you know, whatever track that you're on. And, um, this, just the notion of pressing pause, right. And just kind of going, hang on a second. And I think that's, what's really powerful about right now with COVID-19, it forced everyone to press pause and hopefully it's enabling people to think about how do we change what we're doing? How can we do things better? I know the United Nations is pushing the build back better as their phrase, right? How do, as we come out of this, how do we think about building back better? Um, and it's, it's powerful in the environmental movement because we're all trying to figure out, you know, I was just on conference calls this morning with um, some, some colleagues over in Europe from the ocean race and ocean summit and a number of different organizations all saying, all right, how do we figure out coming out of this how do we do things differently and really think about paving the way for more to get done i think is kind of the phrase that i've really fallen in love with um because i do see it as we've all been doing such great work around the world and there are initiatives that are local and um you know you've been a part of a number of beach cleanups or you've gone out and activated people in local communities or through the big wave risk assessment group you're helping teach people how to be better you know uh, stakeholders out in the lineup like it's like that on the ground stuff which is really great but we're, let's leverage that to create more of that political willpower to get the big stuff across the line and i guess that's what i'm excited about and i'll use as a little bit of a segue into some of the the, the work that is going on you know last week was international um day of biodiversity um this coming week not this week but uh next week is the world environment day on the fifth and then world oceans day on the eighth and world oceans day and week and you know these are normally weeks where there's a lot going on where you'd have you know the united nations holding their annual ocean conference um 
And so a lot of that is not happening, but it's all being pushed online and digital. And there's still a lot of momentum. Um, so much so that, you know, even the LA Times covered the 30 by 30 initiative, which we started talking about last week with Lisa Spear. And so I don't know if you've gotten a, you know, pick up on the 30 by 30 initiative concept of conservation or what your thoughts are. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but what do you, what do you think as, as someone who's been out and around the world and seen so much in various countries all over the place? What do you think about that? What do you think about as far as conservation? You've been a part of Save the Waves. Like, what is this? Do you, is it possible? Are you excited about it? <laughs> I, I think now more than ever, it's it's possible. And just the new landscape in which, you know, as you mentioned, life is being conducted, you know, virtually. Um, as much as I don't appreciate it, you know, because, you know, we are meant to have, you know, this kind of physical human contact. It enables people, I think, to tune in on a much, um, a much easier basis. You know, that if you wanted to attend or listen to that conference, you know, it's no longer, you know, you know, it was always live stream, but it's just going to be more, um, you know, tangible for people. And I think, again, the, you know, the information spread and the connectivity that's coming from this new, you know, virtual world, um, there's going to be positives to it. But as you said, you know, moving forward, really focusing on, you know, what is that new future going to bring, you know, and the pause that you, you know, spoke of now is allowing us to, to, you know, rethink that, you know, and in a way it is almost uh, kind of the new second version of our, our lives. Um, and what it's going to take is exactly what's being set up with 30 for 30. That unfortunately, I think the truth is, you know, especially in our political landscape at the moment, um, you know, the attention put to environmental conservation has taken a couple steps down because now all of a sudden we're focused on how do we rebuild, you know, the economy you know, and employment rates are at, you know, record lows. So, you know, when you look at sort of the hierarchy of, you know, personal needs, you know, there's people who are wondering how they're going to, you know, pay their bills or their mortgage and, and get back on their feet. Um, but, Nevertheless, as I mentioned before, it's imperative now more than ever that we all bond together. And it's going to take people coming from every single demographic, age group, um, background, whatever passion it is that you know, you're utilizing the ocean. And even if it isn't this place of recreation for you, understanding that we are so dependent on its health for our own survival, which now I think the information is... Um, becoming more prevalent in everyday conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still, I question if it's, you know, with the gravity in which it, it needs um, to really resonate with people, especially our politicians. And the only way that we're going to be able to get through to them is by massive numbers. Um, you know, a lot of these organizations have been operating sort of on their own individual, you know, projects, different regions of the world. And I think that that's kind of been a weakness in a lot of, um, you know, these movements is that they are sort of, you know, segmented and though some of them really take off, uh, you know, they kind of, a lot of them fall by the wayside because there isn't the power and, you know, the human numbers behind it to get the attention of the politicians and the lawmakers. So coming together as, you know, the one human family that we are from all corners of the world, all walks of life, all recreational backgrounds, um, as a unified voice, that's what it's going to take to push these issues back to, you know, um, the front line of uh, importance. So, 
yeah, it's uh, exciting times. And, and, you know, this is going to be, I think, the one galvanizing of all the voices uh, to make it happen and to, to, you know, make that, you know, one big wave that uh, needs to come kind of oversweep uh, all that's happening in the world. That's, that's well said, man. I, I, I really appreciate your kind of view on that. You know, I think we share a real value for the grassroots activists that are out there that, you know, do the work in their local area and are super, super effective and in their local area. Um, and it's then coordinating those coalitions. And that's what I get really excited about is when they all get together and they work as a coalition, you start to see that movement really go, or, you know, you look at the youth climate movement has been really powerful and that's because it's a number of different groups and they made a sort of distributed model, which is everybody can get behind this and, and use this same message of, you know, the climate strikes every Friday. Um, so for the ocean, you know, uh, I don't mean to say that the 30 by 30 initiative that we're, we're getting behind is the, the first of its kind like this, you know, there've been another number of examples and really we're learning from guys like Chad at Surfrider and the team over there who had the coalition to help save trestles. There's a number of different groups coming together with different angles. I really looked at that as a really successful campaign. Um, you look at what the fight for the bite did, enabling different people to take that message and say, all right, here's how we can bring this together for everyone. But then it's okay. Those are two campaigns in countries in separate countries or within states within countries. How do we do this internationally? And how do we think about this, you know, beyond just even our sport of surfing, but including sailing and other sports. And that's what I get really excited about with this campaign is having different stakeholders from around the world on board. Um, and I think the other part of it is like, I look at it now and I look at some recent headlines, you know, just to kind of dip into a couple of the things. Um, I didn't send them over to you ahead of time because they only just came through over the weekend. But um, in uh, Denmark, for example, there's this story about some sewage that's going to be pumped into uh, the channel there between them and Sweden. And the beachgoers, both in Denmark and in Sweden, are, are pissed, rightfully so. They're like, why are we? dumping like 30 i think it's like a few hundred thousand tons of sewage and it's to you know because they need to improve some infrastructure or something but like that shouldn't be legal and now here i am an, an ocean and a half away or and i i'm like that doesn't seem like it's not my problem if that makes sense which is to say it is my problem even though it's that far away and won't really affect me i feel like that's my problem i feel ownership of that i look at australia another you know recent headline is there's a small tract of land down in New South Wales that is one of the last tracks that wasn't burned in the recent fires and it's up for development and it looks like they're going to go ahead with the development and surfers for climate and a number of different organizations have been speaking up about this and we'll link to both of these in the show notes for anybody who's interested to learn more or wants to support you know my vote for, as an american like signing a petition in australia doesn't necessarily you know get those local government officials to move but if we, as we think about 30 by 30, the way we've built this petition, it's such that if we get critical mass in each of the different countries all behind one thing and push all of those different UN delegates together where there can be a decision made as a whole, now it starts to become really compelling. At least, I mean, listen, we're, we're biased. We've, we've built this thing. But, you know, that's kind of how we're thinking about it is how do we enable local communities to take ownership of their issues, but raise them up and be proactive about protection so that we don't keep having to fight all these things. Does that make sense? It's not even a question. <laughs> I'm a terrible host. <laughs> Fight for the bite is an example, even though what was you know going to take place was drilling down in southern Australia. Um, you know the Norwegians got involved right there, and they were on the front lines on their you know home turf, 
calling their politicians and saying, hey, we don't agree with what you're, what you're doing here. Um, South Africa is another place right now that's got a huge uh, mining expansion up the whole West Coast by an Australian um, mining company. So it's the same thing where even though it is on, you know, relevant to South Africa, maybe we won't be able to, uh, you know, when we sign a petition, have a say. You know, using our voice in, in any capacity is going to, you know, educate and inspire others to, to get involved, to, you know, who may be able to. So, yeah, there's no, um, you know, you know, point in shying away from from not getting your, you know, your feet wet in, in the game. You know, there's no, no negatives to, to come from that. And uh, as far as the connectivity that we all have, you know, to one another, as you said, hey, sewage in Denmark is, you know, I feel like it's my problem. I think now, you know, with you know, the realization of how connected we actually are with this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic as a human species living together on this planet should be um, relevant more than ever before. You know, where one person's problem, even this, you know, we've kind of seen in the past a natural disaster in a certain part of the world, you know, we feel it, but we maybe don't, you know, really, you know, engage and help because, hey, that's not where I'm from. I hope now we realize you know, how connected every single individual, every single country actually is. And I think that that's, you know, when you look at it through a different lens, one of the beautiful things to come out of you know, these times and what we've experienced you know, for the first time, um, or one of the first times, you, know, you can go back and maybe use world wars as an example, but you know, where something that was out of our control per se, unifying us you know, together. So... Um, I think that that's you know one of the common you know themes and messages at least for me that I've I've taken from it. So um, you know what's created as a as a coalition, I think you know that nobody's struggle in a certain part of the world, environmentally, socially, you know, should just be you know out of sight, out of mind anymore. Yeah, you you bring up some great examples there of you know the fight for the bite and the way that you know the the team got active and the way there was an international strategy there that was really well done and um you know it it's true right we now have you know multinational organizations that are operating across different lines so if we don't protect things proactively um these you know interests can essentially do what they want and that's going to affect all of us you know you look at last week we had lisa spear on from the natural resources defense council and she's really pushing the high seas treaty negotiation which is connected to the 30 by 30 initiative it's protecting the high seas now you can say what in the hell do I care about the middle of the ocean? <laughs> you know, like, why does that matter? It's so far away, yada, yada, yada. But the reality is that, you know, deep seabed mining, drilling, all of that can easily impact us, if not affecting all of those smaller nations that are that are over in that region, right? What happens if there's an accident and it destroys a fishery uh, on which a nation supplies, not just for food, but for income? Um, what happens when, you know, nations are allowed to fish off of international waters in other places that are not theirs, right? Uh, it's it's known that certain countries tend to fish off of developing nations and take all their fish. Um, you know, you, you create food insecurity and you make all the problems worse, whereas if we can create some protected areas, you can essentially guarantee a place for the ocean to, you know, replenish itself and provide food for everybody, right? Like, I just don't see why this is a bad idea. <laughs> No, exactly the same. Um, you know, there's such a delicate balance that exists, you know, between every living species. They all have their you know places in the world. And we are the one at the very top who's basically, 
you know, cutting out big, you know, connective, you know, branches between, you know, one another. And it's only a matter of so much that you can take before, you know, something fully collapses. And we've seen it, uh, you know, in the midst of it, you know, greatest record number of, you know, species lost, you know, in the history of our existence. Uh, so, um, yeah, and another thing I hopefully comes with this, you know, the realization of how fragile, you know, the balance, you know, actually is in this, you know, living miracle that, that we exist in right now. Living miracle is a great way to phrase that. That's beautifully said. You're a good writer. You should write a book, Greg. Yeah, you're on to me. I, I, we've actually talked about it. You know, I'm, I've actually been writing something, you know, on and off for a couple of years now. But um, the last few months with, with the downtime, that's been a concentrated effort of mine. And really uh, going back and distilling down the best adventures and experiences and, you know, what I've actually learned and um, still what I haven't and uh making sense of it in some form. So if it sees the light of the day, who knows? But for me, it's been a really good exercise. Um, you know, like I said, the last three months has really just been focused on, on that. So learning more about That's myself. Uh, That's ever, yeah, stuff that I want to know and stuff that I didn't want to know, but it's all good. <laughs> well, you've got at least one copy sold right here and probably at least a couple listeners who, who are game to, to read it. Um, you know, you're one of, you are known as one of the most thoughtful uh, gentlemanly, um, you know, surfers out there and you have dedicated yourself, uh, to a number of different organizations that, you know, are all friends here. And, um, it's really valuable, Greg, like your leadership, you know, it, it really helps when you get behind something and some other surfers get behind you, whether it's through big wave risk assessment group or, you know, the paddle outs last year or whatever, or, you know, getting behind parlay and all the work down in Chile. And I mean, just all of that, it just shows like, Hey, you know, um, I'm going to put my name behind this thing. And that's really valuable to kind of validate it for, for other people. So I just kind of thank you for the work that you do with pure and, and with all those groups. Cause it's appreciated. And like I said, it's, it's all connected. It doesn't matter which group you're working with or when it's like, Hey, we're all just trying to push the same, you know, giant boulder up a hill kind of hurt all we're all trying to hurt all the same cats. And so, um, thanks man. I, re I really just appreciate all your work and you've always been an incredible friend in this, in this journey. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, to echo off of that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who believe like, you know, okay, oh, they're, you know, have some sort of notoriety in this, you know, part of the world and the surfing world, you know, maybe I do, but, um, everybody has a sphere of influence, you know, no matter how big or no matter how small that there's people that, you know, look up to them, um, whether it's their children or their friends and, you know, can simply lead by example. And, you know, now's the time more than ever that we all kind of, uh, move forward as the best versions of ourselves. And, you know, I know we've been feeling a lot in the last months, um, uh, but to actually act on, on those feelings, you know, not get caught up in this, you know, fast pace of life that's kind of being sold to us, but really, you know, tune in to those things that are, you know, pulling on our heartstrings. And when we see something or hear something or read something, or, you know, even if it is just a petition that comes across and, you know, it only takes a couple minutes of, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, scrolled past without much thought, but, you know, to act on, on those feelings now more than ever. Know that by doing so, you've got people who will be following your lead, no matter how many or, or how few that, you know, we have to now all step up and do our part and uh, change the world and create the uh, future that we know we deserve and that uh, we're supposed to be living in moving forward. 
That's really well said, man. You know, it, it does. It can feel like, oh, what does my signature mean? But it does mean something. Our collective voice, you know, when we add it up, it means something. So thanks, Greg. I appreciate that. Um, appreciate your support in the campaign. And um, yeah, I hope to see you in person before too long. I don't know on what continent. You know, we've we've now caught up on, I think, three different continents or whatever. So um, next time, hopefully uh, somewhere local and we can we get a surf together. Jump in the water and actually go for a surf. Yeah. And thank you guys for all that you're doing over there and uh, sharing uh, the information and, and the beautiful work and bringing everybody together. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you before too long. Look forward to it. Reflecting on that chat with Greg about how environmental winds are bigger and better, memories and the big waves, the competitions, I think I know why, or I at least have an idea. When I look at the news of the past week, the stories where surfers were stepping up to protect their local environment. You've got in Scandinavia, for example, in there's controversy between Denmark and Sweden over some raw sewage being dumped into Orison Strait. And it was surfers who emailed it to us and told us about it and who have been active in and vocal on their coastline with a petition. In Australia, you have environmentalists who stepped up who are saying, please don't develop this last stretch of forest that survived the fires earlier this year, right? Because they recognize that importance and that value. And in New York City, we're celebrating a victory. The Surfrider Foundation chapter in New York City successfully defended their coastline from the Williams Pipeline, at least for now. So congrats to all my friends in Rockaway. Uh, You guys did an amazing job. And I guess that's what starts to make me realize what's going on there for Greg. It's that these victories create a legacy. It's that it goes beyond a wave or a competition, and it's something that a community did together to protect a place that goes generations beyond and I think Greg doesn't necessarily think about that he just unconsciously lives that sense of purpose especially having had that near-death experience so while I don't want wish anybody to have a near-death experience um, I do hope everyone can live with that sense of purpose like Greg and I know that he inspires me to do so all the time so thanks Greg for uh, you know one surviving uh, and surviving another birthday happy birthday it was his birthday on Monday um, but thanks for all you do for the ocean It's really appreciated, and we all recognize how important it is and and appreciate your leadership. And thank you for listening. Um, Thanks for the kind ratings and reviews lately. For those of you who wrote them, we really appreciate it. It really helps the podcast grow. If you haven't written one, please do. Say something weird. Maybe we'll read it on the air. And uh, before you move on to your next show, make sure you're subscribed here and or follow us on social media at WSLPure or shoot us an email at oneocean at WSLPure.org. We love hearing from you. Uh, We'll have links in the show notes to all the stories and to our friend Greg. And we hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. It's World Oceans Week, and we've got a big campaign. Thanks. Thanks.